It's the Locked On Flyers podcast for Monday, September 18th. Your daily dose of Flyers news, analysis, and high-quality content that didn't quite get the results we wanted from the rookie series this weekend, Russ. Yeah, I've got a lot of good and bad stuff. More bad than good, obviously. Yeah, we'll talk about the highs and lows of the games against the Rangers, plus your nemesis of the week all on today's show. Your Locked On Flyers, your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Flyers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, thanks for making Locked On Flyers your first listen every day. I am Rachel Donner. You can find me on Twitter at rmiriam. I'm here, as always, with Russ Cohen, who's on all your favorite social media apps at Sportsology. As a show, we're on Instagram and Threads and Blue Sky at Locked On Flyers as well. You can subscribe or follow us for free over on YouTube or on the SiriusXM app. Anywhere you listen to podcasts, you'll get our latest episode as soon as it's available here on the Locked On Podcast Network your team every day. Ressa, before we get into the rookie games themselves, we got a bit of unfortunate news heading into them. Uh, We talked about this a little bit on the Friday show, but J.R. Avon, man, a guy we had talked about so much in terms of having high hopes for this season, he is going to miss the remainder of rookie and training camp. He's got a PCL sprain. Um, and is going to start rehab and is going to be out four to six weeks. Yeah, it's too bad. I wanted to talk to him at, at rookie camp, and then that's when they were like, well, you know, there's something going on, and, and then we just didn't get to see him. And that's a shame, but he's a good player, and he'll come back from this. It's nothing serious. You know, at least it's something that wasn't more serious and that seems like a, a solid recovery time. Hope yeah. we can get back out on the ice and, um, you know, has a shot at, at having a really good season with the Phantoms, you know, even if he misses, you know, six, six weeks or so of games, I think like, um, he's going to be a real important part of that team this year, no matter what. Um, we did have one other injury. Um, Mateo man was injured in the second game. Um, not sure what's going on there long-term. They didn't have that information yet as of post game yesterday. Uh, but, uh, we will see what's happening with him. Obviously less of an impactful thing going you know, for the Phantoms because he wasn't anticipated on being on that team this year, but still something to keep an eye on. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. All right. So the Flyers kids fell to the Rangers kids in both games this weekend, uh, four to two in the first game, three to one in the second game. And I have to say it, it was very illuminating in terms of just the bigger picture, because you look at kind of the, the main results overall. I think the, the trend was that the Rangers players were playing a much more physical game. Physical and better defensively. They had a much better idea what to do um, to keep the uh, zones clear and stuff much, much better. Yeah. And and I would say that, um, you know, just for, 
clarity like russ def saw the first game i did not because of the jewish high holiday but i i was at the second game and i saw some highlights from the first game but that that was very evident to me even in just the second game that the rangers had a defensive plan and they clogged up the zone so even though the flyers if you look at the shot counts you know did pretty well they got a you know a lot of shots off but they were not quality shots because the rangers just had that net front clogged up with three guys that the Flyers just couldn't get good opportunities. There. Yeah, like like the Rangers have a guy, Ty Emerson, who was part of the uh, NTDP, and he's a really good mm-hmm. defensive defenseman. Like, that's what he does. And uh, who knows if he'll be in NHL, but for a game like this, he's, you know, he's a hard guy to go up against. What, what I didn't like from, like, the coaching standpoint, I guess, from the uh, Phantoms is, you know, you're talking about way into the second period of the second game, and they were just getting, you know, beat. They didn't have much going for them at all. And and that was something where I felt like the adjustments from the Lehigh staff was not very good. Yeah, and, you know, I'm not sure, based on what I heard, that there was, like, a, a desire to make specific adjustments from a systems perspective to support them, that it was more like, we're going to see what these kids can do and adjust on their own. Yeah, you still have ways, to try and, which, you still have to try and I know. I'm just saying to win. I know. Right. It, that's what it seemed like from, yeah. from my perspective there. And um, I think that, you know, that physicality was a problem. You yes. saw the Flyers guys just getting hammered along the boards, um, especially in the corners. And, you know, there was really only like one or two guys on the flyer side that were trying to counteract that. We'll talk about the first one of which is Zade Wisdom, who was by far the star of the weekend. Yeah, no question. I mean, he, he looks in better shape. Uh, it looks like he um, maybe lost a little weight, put on some more muscle. Um, everything else looks good on him. The confidence is there that we've always liked to see. And look, I mean... We're really grasping at straws saying that change that, that Zade Wisdom was the best player because nobody wanted Zade Wisdom to be the best player. Like that's not a, a, a knock against him, but that just shows how far some of the other guys fell this weekend. Yeah. And, you know, Ian LaPerriere said that very specifically yeah. in the post game after the second game. He's like, Zade Wisdom was our best guy out there. And, I'm really happy for him, uh, but the other guys that played for me, and he talked about that specifically, the guys that played for me with Lehigh, very disappointed in them overall in terms of the effort. He, he wasn't sure whether it was like an adjustment to, you know, get their sea legs back or whatever in terms of, you know, getting used to gameplay again, but that um, he agreed that Zade Wisdom was the standout for the weekend and, um, Postgame, Zade Wisdom also mentioned um, that you know he had spent the summer in Voorhees and you know really you know worked hard with the trainers. So your point about getting lean and getting stronger uh, was well taken because that's a lot of what he worked on this yeah. season. Yeah. And I I think the other main part of it was that he um, was able to learn or, or really think about balancing his physicality with the skill side of his game. No. And that's the, and that's a, an advantage he has. Um, and I think that's smart for him to do that. I mean, again, if those two games, if the season were starting tomorrow, nobody, no offensive player from the Phantoms would be making the flyers. None of them. 
No, that is absolutely true. Uh, Wisdom had a goal and an assist for the weekend. He fought on Friday, got into a scuffle and a half, I would say. Oh, yeah, with Matt Rempe. Matt Rempe is just so big. Yeah, yeah, I know. We were just kind of like, Zay Wisdom was certainly not intimidated by that. We'll we'll say that for sure. But I think that, yeah, just the fact that it was very clear that Zay Wisdom was the standout is kind of an issue. Uh, but there were some- and Matt Brown. I mean, Matt Brown was really good too. Yeah, and that's that's what I was going to say is that there were a few other guys that did stand out, not quite to the level that Zayd Wisdom yeah. did, but really, I think put forth a big effort. And you know, Matt Brown is one of them because he's there just as a essentially a tryout, right? No. He's a camp invitee, but I think that maybe he, he's done at least enough for them to think about giving him an AHL contract. Yeah, I think I. I think he's got to be in consideration right now. Yeah, you know, he scored a power play goal in the game on Friday. And and I thought on Saturday, he just was really putting in an extra effort. And you could see every shift. And he was one of the other guys that was trying to counterbalance what the Rangers were doing physically. um, and, And that stood out to me as well. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, again, the one thing you saw was um, for kind of like rock solid college players like Trevino for the Rangers and Brown for the Flyers. Those guys in these kinds of games don't lose their structure. Like they know they've been very well coached, especially these guys who have been from at, at top universities and you could see it. And that really helps those guys in these games. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I would say Alex Cernick stood out to me uh, as well. I thought his skating was tremendous. Yeah. The first game he really, really looked good. He had that goal, but He's, um, you know, even watching him since camp, uh, and I put that that report up on sportsology.com, his skating is really good. His passing's mm-hmm. really good. He is a smaller guy, so there's going to be adjustments he's going to have to make along the way, but I think he's pretty sturdy. And so, yeah, so far so good with him. I've been really uh, liking his play. Yeah, and we mentioned this a little bit on Friday, but Denver Barkey, who we did not get a chance to see at development camp because of an injury, I think has really, you know, shown well for himself here. That, like, for a first look at him in the Flyers environment, I think that um, at least, like, the effort is there, and you can see he's trying to use his offensive skills in the best way possible. I thought he was in the right place at the right time a lot. Uh, in the game on on Saturday, for sure. Yeah, I mean, and and what I saw from him in camp and on Friday is, yeah, speed's there. uh, The passing is really good. The motor's really good. So, yeah, I I do like what I see out of him. All right, well, we're going to get to the other side of the fence and uh, talk about some of the guys we thought might be leaders on this team, but kind of had some issues this past weekend. We will do that coming up next. Snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. We are back to a five-day-a-week schedule on the show, so we've got lots more content for you coming up this week. Back on the rock pile. 
Yep, we are going to be looking at the rest of rookie camp, going into training camp. So much stuff happening this week in Flyers land. Uh, getting back to our rookie series recap, um, Ian LaPerriere, like I said, really called out some of his quote-unquote veterans for not performing up to snuff. And I would say Tyson Forster and Elliot Denoyer were the two that that he singled out the most. Yeah, I mean, there were, you know, some okay moments, maybe game one for both of them. Game two, they really faded. And so, yes, I, I, I understand it with, with Tyson. And um, you pointed it out in our notes, like his accuracy just wasn't there. Uh, and that was the thing. And Denoyer just wasn't clicking. And, yeah, I mean, it, it was noticeable. Brink, too, though. I mean, Bobby Brink had some really mm-hmm. bad moments. Like, I know he got an assist in that first game, but – There were so many things that I could point out that were wrong, mostly in the second, a little bit in the first. But one of the things is, you know, again, that delayed offsides led to a goal, right? Right. That was was bad. That was a really bad play by him, maybe the worst of of all of his plays. Um, But another thing was when he was getting into the offensive zone, um, if he gave up the puck to a a partner – a linemate, he, he was looking for it back, but he was looking for it back on the perimeter. Nobody's going to give the puck back to, to Bobby Brink on the perimeter. They want him to be closer to the net, and he wasn't doing it. He wasn't going anywhere near the dirty area. So um, he was like a one-and-done in most offensive zone situations, which was consistent with what we saw in that rookie game over the summer. So he's got to get past that. He's got to you know figure out how to get to the net again, to muscle his way through, but also – He's got to figure out how to have sustained pressure in the offensive zone, which I don't see. Yeah, I think that was a huge part of it uh, with Brink as well. He, um, uh, there was one specific time I remember he was kind of sprung um, open for a shot from the right side, and it went a little high and and to the left of the net a little bit. And I couldn't see who it was based on, you know, based on the angle of vision I had to what number it was. And I was like, I bet that was Brick based on how the shot was. And sure enough, he curled around the back of the net yeah. and his numbers showed up on the back of the jersey. I was just like, oh, it's like the same kind of missing the net that he had been doing. Yeah. The other the other guy, um, Samu Tuomala, unless you're springing him on a on a play, which they did once in the first game and he got a shot on net. He's not creating offensively. He is not. And part of it is what I wrote in my report, that he is not presenting his stick well to his linemates. And if you don't have that stick presented right and then down quickly, they're not getting you the puck. You're just not going to get it or they're going to try and get it to you and you're going to lose it. But as far as, you know, if you watch him just shoot one-timers on his own, it's like amazing, right? But he can't do this in the game. He hasn't been able to find the space. And so he's like an offensive non-factor, except for maybe like, you know, one good scoring chance a game. Yeah, it it was really interesting because I think that you look at him, his speed was great. Like you watched his skating looked great, but it was those little things play wise. And, And I would sort of contrast that to. And Emil Andre, right? Now, Andre only played in the second game. So, you know, it's harder to evaluate a little bit with just one game. But Andre had a similar kind of speed, but I think played a lot better and smarter. Yeah. And Tuomala did. And that's where you see the big difference between these kind of guys. Yeah, right? there's a difference there. And and that's something that Tuomala really has to sort of make up this year. 
um, to do something. You know, I saw people writing good things about, you know, Helgi Grands. He made the one play, broke up a good play. But, again, he's making the team regardless. So I don't really – I'm not really – you think? Yeah. I mean, I just think out of necessity he's going to be on the team. So I – Interesting. Yeah. I think I, unless something unforeseen happens, I, I would think he's going to make it. But we'll see. You know, um, you know, Zamolek you could see problems with. With a lot of guys you could see problems with. The thing – the thing that really, you know, gets you is I, I get it. Like, look, there's no Mitch Kopp, there's no Gauthier, but still some of these guys who were, you know, supposedly close, they didn't they didn't show what they needed to. And then some of the others that should be really hungry before they go out and get sent out back to their other teams didn't seem hungry enough. The Rangers were hungrier. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And and it was apparent in in a lot of it. I think another big thing, and this I think is relative to what um, maybe some of the weaker um, structure in the coaching in terms of what the plan was going into right. it, is that I saw with the Flyers a lot of east-west passing. And yeah. that's how they were getting up and down the ice, whereas the Rangers were going a lot more north-south They were, than I thought the Flyers were. And that really allowed them to get sprung for these opportunities that were better opportunities. And I think with the, the Flyers, you know, th- that's what led to them getting caught and not being able to set up defensively to prevent the Rangers from getting the high danger chances. Yeah. The, you know, that Trevino goal, you know, him being a left-handed shot, he was able to work his way in towards the net with nobody, with no interaction, nobody trying to get at him, no active stick, nothing. You can't do that. Yeah. And I, I almost, I wouldn't really blame the Flyers defenseman on this entirely. I think it was, um, you know, some of those guys were playing a lot better than than the others. That's for sure. Defensively, yeah. I do think there were very few blue line standouts for the Flyers, other than maybe Andre and Granz, to right. be honest. But I, I still think that it's just the way that the Flyers were carrying the puck into the zone was a lot weaker than the way that the Rangers yeah. were doing it. And I think that had an effect on the game. It did. Um, you know, look, that first goal by Bjarnason, yeah, it was a bad goal. But he stopped a lot of good chances. I I was getting Carter Hart flashbacks as bad as the defense was in front of him at times. I really was. Yeah, and, and that's a good segue because I did want to make sure we got into the goaltending yeah. here. Um, again, I really only got to see Bjarnason. You know, to your point, that was um, a pretty weak goal to start off with. But he really settled into things later in the game. I feel like that last goal at the end, it was there was only 30 seconds left in the right. game. and. I, I'm kind of willing to let that one go just yeah. because of the nature of that play. And, um, and you know, the, the Flyers D had kind of folded at yeah. that point. Um, and so, which was kind of unfortunate because at that point it was just a two to one game and, you know, maybe they could have tried something, but they decided not to, like they didn't pull the Arneson or anything. So I do think that Overall, it was it was a solid. I wouldn't say great game, but it was a solid game from him. No, no, it was definitely solid. Um, and Nolan Meyer was fine in game one. Honestly, he, um, he he showed athleticism. He again was under siege a little bit at times. You know, he's a pretty good goalie, and and that's the thing. I think they have a pretty good goalie in him too. So I, you know, goaltending wasn't the reason the team looked bad. 
Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. And, you know, I think it's going to be a little bit harder to evaluate for the rest of rookie camp just because there isn't a true game situation to look at now. And this is all the the data we have. We talked about this on Friday. Well, the three-on-three, I was was pulling things from the three-on-three. That's how I figured out before the game that Tuamala was doing a few things wrong, and it didn't shock me that 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 – that it carried into the game. So a few things did stand out bad, you know, bad that, you know, mm-hmm. carried into the game too. Yeah. And uh, the, the guys had the day off on Sunday. So today they'll be back out on the ice. We have a couple of days left to evaluate them and, uh, and we'll kind of go from here. Yeah. I mean, again, this is where, you know, Forster and, and, and Denoye really have to step up. I think again, uh, I think Granz, because of his size, is going to have every chance to make the team. I don't know if anybody else is really going to make it. And I know uh, people are going to say about Andre, but I think Andre just give him I, – I want to give him that AHL time. I don't want him right. thrown in there. So it's it's really up to Forster and, and Denoye to kind of, like, force the issue. Now, Torts is going to give Forster probably more chance than Denoye because of his shot because he's going to look at the team and say, wow, he's got one of the best shots. But again, if he's not going to score, it doesn't matter. So that's what he, they're going to have to determine is if they can do that. Um, you brought up in the notes on the shot accuracy thing, and I've been saying for two years they need a shooting coach, and for two years they haven't gotten one. Well, hopefully somebody's listening and adds that to the roster. And, uh, you know, we'll see how the rest of Ricky Camp goes, who gets the invite to stick around for longer in training camp when that kicks off later this week. In the meantime, uh, it's Monday, so we will have our nemesis of the week coming up next. All right, before we dig into our nemesis of the week, I do want to call back to our last summer poll that we did uh, last week where we were asking who was going to score the first goal for the Flyers in the rookie series. Um, Tyson Forster was our top vote getter by a mile. We talked about this on the Friday show. That was not the correct answer. The correct answer was Matt Brown. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so good, a good for Matt Brown. We talked yes. about how well he acquitted himself this. I tweeted uh, about so him in far. July. I was like, I thought that was a, a good, you know, addition to invite him. For dev camp. Yeah. yeah for dev camp. And, you know, he's carried it through. We got to give him credit. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, none of us picked him. Um, no. So, we'll, but we'll see if he gets that AHL contract. I certainly hope he does. Uh, for Nemesis of the Week, last week we talked about the New York Rangers rookies, uh, which, you know, turned out to be a good reason to have them as a nemesis, as the Flyers didn't win either game. Uh, just a quick side note on that. Um, I had put in the notes, but didn't bring it up as a secondary nemesis, the New Jersey Turnpike, huh. because I knew I was going to have to drive it a bunch. And uh, even though I didn't mention it on the show, it turned out to actually be my nemesis for the week because I got caught in a lot of traffic uh, trying to get to the Phantoms game. But Although that last um, 15 minutes to get actually into the Phantoms parking lot is a slog. They got to do better with that. It's been so bad for so many years. Yeah, it's a it's definitely unexpected to have that kind of traffic in Allentown. But moving into this week, I think you know for me based on everything we've seen at camp and in the games so far, 
the nemesis for me is these younger guys getting out of their own heads. I think there's a, a little bit of that going on that they feel like they have to be so responsible that they're not playing their own game and highlighting what they do well in these games. And so I, I really feel like that is going to be the challenge for this upcoming week of finishing up rookie camp and going into training camp. Can they get out of their own heads and perform to the best of their ability? The guys like Forrester, Denoye, Brink, and and so on that we've been talking about so far. Yeah. I, and so my, my nemesis is going to be um, people talking about Bedard and Fantilli and going crazy about their, their hat tricks in these prospect games I mean, you also have to consider the goalies and you have to consider. Now, again, both these guys are going to score at the NHL level. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, I don't think Bedard's getting 60 goals this year. And, you know, the way he scored those goals looks like he's like going to be like a 60-goal guy. Same thing with Fantilli. So you just – I'm not saying you shouldn't be excited about Connor Bedard, but I'm just saying let's not overhype this before the season even starts. I just – I always – you know, any any prospect – is suspect to too much hype. And, you know, Bedard's getting more hype than even McDavid did, if you think about it. McDavid got a ton, but he's getting more hype than really any prospect yeah. we've ever seen in the last 20 years. So I just, I'd like to see it slow down for him a little bit, but I guess it's not gonna. Yeah, I think it is interesting to contrast what guys like that are doing in these prospect tournaments yeah. versus what's happening in a Flyers Rangers prospect right. tournament because the prospect levels are so vastly so different. different. Yeah. in these situations, but I do I love the Traverse City tournament. I think, you know, what they've been around a little bit longer than some of these other yes. tournaments. So, they've figured it out and I think they have the right set of teams. At, for this time in order to have a successful tournament. I do wonder if the Flyers will ever be in a sort of a tournament situation rather than just these like back-to-back -back games against one team. They make more money doing it this way. Interesting. I guess though, because they're, they're at, um, well, I guess they are at a neutral site though. Right. And they have, they're all, they're all at neutral sites, right? Yeah, but you think about it, the money split is going to be much better at like a Lehigh than it is going to be at a Traverse City. Well, that's true. That is definitely true. So in, in terms of, you know, leading into this week, like what are you looking for from the Flyers prospects um, to finish out rookie camp? Yeah, I got to see them finish strong. Um, when they're playing their scrimmages, I've got to see them going all out maybe a little less celebrating. They were really, you know, into the celebrating first day and, and that's fine. I mean, you know, they're, they're young guys. I don't want to squash their fun, but now I think it's time to get a little, uh, a little more serious after these losses and just got to see a little more compete. Got to see really the best that you could see out of these guys before they get sent off with their, you know, marching orders for the year, because I, and it's not on, it's not intentional, but we're just not seeing their best right now. And that's yeah. the part that's just a little worrisome. And, you you know, that's got to change. Yeah. And I think what those marching orders are going to be is going to be extremely important going into the season for these guys, you know, with their junior teams or yes. whatnot. Um, and, and making sure that that communication stays strong in terms of are they achieving those goals and 
how do you mesh that with those junior teams wanting to win and achieve their own goals separately? So I, I think that's something that we will definitely be keeping an eye on as the season progresses. And we're going to talk more about what those marching orders should be as this week continues and guys kind of let get let go uh, back to those junior teams. Right. We'll talk about it then. But in the meantime, that will do it for today's show. Thanks so much for listening. And uh, if you've got a mailbag question for us, make sure you send it in. You can do it via the app formerly known as Twitter at Lockdown Flyers. You can email us at lockdownflyers at gmail, or you can comment over on our YouTube channel. I am Rachel. I'm on Twitter at R Miriam. That's R M I R I A M. I'm Russ. I'm at Sportsology, S P O R T S O L O G Y. Have a great Monday, everyone.